So hello. Nice. How are we doing today? Hey everyone. I am good. How are you? Pretty good. I like your profile pic. Oh, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Morty. Yeah, <laughs> Morty coming in. About as smart as him, too. Uh, have you guys picked up any of these Kevin NFTs? <laughs> oh, my God. Have you? I, dude, no, I, I I'm the reason why they're pumping. Uh, <laughs> you don't know about the Kevins? What's the, what's the, what's the, you know, <laughs> so Kevin's are the <laughs> pixel moms that look the shittiest and this star is, became a meme yesterday. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, like a 0.6, um, minted S3, went to 0.6 and then went back up to 7. <laughs> People were like, oh. no, what's going on? <laughs> now there are Kevin derivatives. <laughs> Yeah, there's anti-Kevin yeah, Kevin Club. Fine. Oh my god. <laughs> there's just so much money in NFT where anything can, can blow up for whatever reason. Yeah, it's memes, man. Me- memes are powerful. Like memes and illiquidity. Memes, like rock memes, dog memes. It's all about yeah. the hype. Uh one thing that I've that I was really fascinated by was, I think it was a couple of months ago, this Indonesian kid, well, maybe he was Filipino, I can't remember, from Southeast Asia, oh, um, yeah. took a selfie of himself for five years straight. Was it five years? I, Yeah, it was pretty long. It's insane, though, but yeah. uh, that, that thing blew up as well. <laughs> um. And then there was like Irene Dow or something. Yeah, Irene Dow. Yeah. Bullish. Bullish. <laughs> Wait, are you in Irene Dow? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, a bunch of my buddies were kind of joking about it. Um, yeah. I'm originally from Taiwan. Um, and there's a pretty nice crypto community out there. Um, and a bunch of guys in Taiwan formed this DAO, called Sweeper DAO, and we focus a lot of NFTs, gameplay yeah. assets and whatnot. And Irene DAO, uh, when it first blew up, everyone in there was kind of going nuts about it. <laughs> yeah, it's hype takes over. The memes can take over sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, um, oh, go ahead. Cool. Uh, who who's on the call? By the way, I I, I think I I can recognize. Um, is it Andy? Andrew? No. No. Um. Uh. I'm Dennis. Uh, I think we we spoke on the we, we had a call. Um. Oh um, right. Yeah, we did with Mech. Yes. Yes. About uh, um uh, Mech. Yes. Right. Right. I had a I had a call with um with Andy, who was helping out with portfolio companies. Right, yeah. Andy usually does in, he works in the background. Got it, got it. Cool. Well, anyways. um, Kadeem here, and then Luke is also here, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sweet. Anyways. Uh, We might not have Garland, because he's in Thailand, so... Uh, probably still sleeping. 
He's in Thailand traveling. No, he he moved to Thailand actually. No freaking way. Right? What he got? Bangkok or or Chiang Mai? Yeah, Bangkok. Bangkok. I think he's in Bangkok. That's crazy. I used to live in Bangkok in Thailand. No way! Wow. Long, long time ago. Yeah, I was there for almost seven years. That's that's very long. Actually, wow. Very long. Yeah. Good town. Um. Shall we kick off the call? I'm super excited. Yeah. Yeah. You want to start off by giving yourself an intro and we'll uh, get yeah. underway? Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for those that are tuning in. Um, my name is Joseph. Call me Joe. I'm originally from Taiwan. Um, I spent most of my adult life abroad. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I lived in Thailand for seven years and I kind of, you know, bounced around the world was in the US, Australia, was in Germany. Now I'm located to Lisbon, uh, Portugal. Uh, so I'm kind of a digital nomad myself. Tried a bunch of things, uh, was in e-commerce, uh, helped out in uh, venture capital earlier in 2017, 2018, um, when I first got into crypto. And um, DeFi summer of, I guess, 2020 really, uh, intrigued me in a way where I want to build something. Um, I've always been um, more on the buy side than sell side of the business. Um, but DeFi 2020 really kind of set off my journey in building projects in uh, Web3. And through um, my decent like network and connections uh, in Asia, I was able to get connected to Garland, um, and they, Moment and Sixth, actually um, fund our project early on and has been just really, really helpful. Um, so glad to be on the call today and very excited to, sh to kind of show uh, what we are working on and what we're going to be working on uh, moving forward. So thanks for having me on the call. Awesome. Um, thanks for that great intro. I, I guess... Um, bit of um, background on, on the calls as well. Usually we, it's called Alpha Leak. So every, twice a week, we like bring on um, industry leader, rather, uh, whether it's a um, founder or investor or just someone that's very connected and, and kind of um, following the latest trends. And um, we do highlight kind of things that uh, our guests find interesting and have things that can teach us and also our uh audience as well it's pretty retail um but uh, aside from that i think um over our conversation before um i think uh, i see you're mute and actually yeah i think the sweeper dial aspects are pretty interesting i'm not too familiar with matrix swap but we can we can briefly cover that as well and then i think um usually luke uh our intern has agenda as well so it would be nice to um Get your thoughts on that. Uh, we usually cater it pretty close to our uh, our guests' niche, so it should be an interesting discussion. Cool. Yeah, look forward to it. Okay. Um, so, Luke, do you want to um, talk about anything first, or like, uh, what are some things to look out for right now? Um, I get. Uh... Let's maybe keep it 
in Joseph's territory for the first half, and then we'll move on to narratives in the second half. Okay, I think that's a that's a smooth uh, transition. Um, yeah. So, do uh, Joseph, do you want to talk about anything from? Uh, yeah, Matrix like what are Swap? what are your backgrounds? What is Matrix Swap? Why is it cool? What is Sweeper DAO? I think I'm more familiar with. Um, why is it cool? Yeah. Why is it useful for NFTs? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so I kind of give you guys a little background of what Matrix Labs. You know, we kind of um, rebranded into Matrix Labs early on uh, a couple of months ago. But what we do is we currently have um, two major DeFi products we're working on. Um, the first one is relatively um, more of a simple product. It does like one thing really well. Um, it's a liquidity aggregator uh, currently live on Polygon, BSC, uh, AVAX, Moonriver, Moonbeam, um, Phantom. Our goal is to try to push this out on as many EVM compatible chains as possible. Um, but what it essentially does is a liquidity aggregator. So it functions very similar compared to one inch and pair swap where you find the use of the best uh, pricing uh, when you're swapping certain tokens uh, on the blockchain where you can access to multiple different AMMs. Um, one unique feature that we have with that app is we offer a multi-token swap functionality. What that means is you can basically put a basket of tokens, like five different tokens together and swap them into a single output token. That being, uh, you know, whatever ERC20 token it is, uh, either is stable coin or, you know, just multiple tokens to one that swap. So making it very fast and easy uh, to assets liquidity and do it, you know, multiple transactions, combine it into one and vice versa. You can buy multiple tokens um, at once using one single input and multiple output tokens. So that's called um, matrix swap. We named it. Um, and then the other product we're working on, which is only on Polygon in the moment, is uh, Matrix Perk. And uh, basically, it's a centralized perpetual futures exchange. Um, and it's based on the perp, perpetual protocol V1 model, where they have a virtual AMM. It's like a synthetic liquidity almost uh, design, just really, really elegant. And our current um, Struggles, I would say, is trying to acquire users and more traders for perpetual futures um, on Polygon. You, when you have a lot of competitors out there, it's hard to kind of, I would say, stand out, right? And that's kind of a, uh, our project, like the struggles we have and challenges we have, we have at the moment. And our job is to kind of, you know, polish up the product, make it as strong as possible so we can kind of acquire more and more users and traders come on to the, to the platform. So that's kind of, the whole um, project that we're working on, uh, two little different products, um, we have a Matrix Labs. Uh, for SweeperDAO, uh, we are just basically, it functions very similar compared to a fund uh, where, you know, members can come in uh, either through um, a cash contribution to the DAO or you can contribute an ape uh, to the uh, to the DAO and you get a membership in the DAO. And as a DAO, we invest in NFTs that are interesting. You know, if, if we look, they're promising and with NFT collections, we will sweep the floor, hence the name Sweeper DAO. And uh, we're currently also incubating a few different GameFi 
NFT-related, uh, metaverse-related um, projects. The more, most recent ones uh, included uh, Kilco, uh, Lutex. Um, we're also looking at a project that's relatively new called Mech.Game. Um, so a few different ones that we're working on at the moment. Um, the group um, DAO consisted of um, pretty relevant um, individuals. Um, one of them is a Curve um, core team member, is an advisor for Merit Circle, um, also helps out um, an advisor at uh, YGG, um, YGG SEA is, as well as involved. Um, Machi Big Brother, I don't know if you guys know, um, he's also based in Taiwan, also in the DAO. Um, the founders from Origin Protocol is also um, good contributors from the DAO, um, a couple of guys from Mechanism Capital. Mechanism Capital are also in. Um, yeah, it's a really cool little, um, the size is still pretty small. We're at 30 people-ish at the moment. And yeah, I was just kind of looking out for projects to help with, uh, contribute, and uh, kind of grow our assets together. Cool. Nice. Um, I think I got confused a little bit. I thought it was, um, uh, I was confusing it with mining DAO, um, with how uh, you know they were helping people sweep. But um, nonetheless, so, so it's a much simpler, it's still very NFT niche related project. So that's that's cool. Um, yeah. 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 I've heard, I've seen like, um, I think especially Bakes, right, being huge in Taiwan. Um, just absolutely massive. I, uh, some of my favorite, uh, you know, Chinese artists, they actually god bakes like pretty early on they i think um uh one of my favorites was uh jj lin he, he was uh, also almost like the central land land pretty early right i think yeah hosting some events there so those, those are things are definitely we're happening. trying we're trying to recruit him right now oh yeah um, yeah yeah so machi is like one of the ogs in our group and he's he's a celebrity in taiwan like I think he was one of the, like, early on, um, like, how do you call it? Uh, so I think Machi is Taiwanese, but he's from America, like ABC from right. LA might have been. Uh, and he was red hot in Taiwan when I was growing up. Um, did, like, the boy band stuff, and now he's a movie oh, producer. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, produce a bunch of movies um so pretty well known in taiwan pretty good rapper as well uh so really active in the creative space in taiwan um so he he knows a bunch of the celebrities including jj so he's like yeah. try to get him, try to get him in, into sweeper now uh <laughs> get, get more exposure but yeah definitely a really cool uh crowd in taiwan yeah, I think it's cool that the entertainment crowd there is so like very intertwined with with NFTs already. Very early adopters. So that's that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I th I thought Machu was only big because of NFTs, but like I I've seen his socials and it seems like he knows a lot of um, especially Taiwanese celebrities uh, way back, and I, I have no idea what his background was. So that that's yeah uh, for sure. I mean, um, 
he was pretty big early on. Uh, he found another project in the 2017-2018 run called Mithril. Right. Uh, that went pretty big as well. I'm not sure what they're doing now, but yeah, he's always been pretty, pretty active in the space. Um, he he always, always seems to know the, the current meta and just kind of follow him. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so one question I have is like, how does Sweeper DAO uh, decide collectively to like sweep uh, a certain floor? So like, yeah, whether... so... oh, go ahead. Yeah, since the the group is relatively small, we haven't like exactly built out what we need to do with this, which is like uh, you know token representing the the DAO, where you have mm -hmm. a governance system where you can vote and whatnot. That's currently being worked on. So prior to that, we're just kind of, you know, voting in Telegram. You literally set a bull in Telegram and like some dude saying, let's fucking go. Some, some dude saying no. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but when, it, when the group is small, it works, right? And if we want yeah. to scale it later on, then we have, need to have a token uh, to, to make that work. But generally speaking, anyone in the group can make a proposal and anyone can vote and we just kind of go through it from there. Okay. Um, and then kind of like what NFTs do you guys look at sweeping the most? Because uh, like I'm kind of always on the, I'm always an NFT top buyer. So uh, like what are some projects that you guys or niches that you guys look into um, that like expect uh, that you guys expect to deliver more than fail? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I, I would say, uh, I wouldn't say we have like a very good hit rate. I would, um, sometimes mm -hmm. we're still buying on, at the top as well, especially when you have a group of people, it's easy to get FOMO'd in. Um, so what we usually do, uh, if there's like good alpha on, you know, because I would say people in the group are relatively connected. So we do have like good alpha on, um, coming in uh, info to the group and we'll kind of decide it together and we'll sweep the floor or we'll actually mint as well. We don't actually, we don't always do secondary uh, market purchase. So yeah. we do uh, mint as well. And if we have good alpha, you know, knowing who's behind it, um, they have good marketing strategies in, in place. Uh, we do get in early as opposed to uh, buying in later. But that being said, we have, you know, bought the top before, um, and but we're just been holding it, you know, so waiting until it comes back up, um, and we liquidate or, you know, just kind of holding it. But I think a lot of it as well, like we're not necessarily in just only for profit as well. Um, cause we, we do think owning a good amount of apes, only a good amount of high profile projects, um, in a way it's, it's good for branding. Um, mm -hmm. and for a lot of PFPs out there, um, like you said earlier, like unfortunately don't have liquidity, right? So it's it's really um, for a lot of them, it's actually just a flex. Um, so I think we do allocate like a portion, not you know a lot of it, but a portion of it just for flexing, and some other portion of it for profit taking, and other proportion proportion of it for supporting projects early on. See, I think that's what I need to do this next bull run is I need to have a portfolio of my account just for flexing. 
<laughs> and I yeah. just always buy a bunch of shit with that por- uh, that portfolio and, and trade it up. Um, yeah, no, that's that's some good insights there. Um, move, moving on to like GameFi and like uh, like Metaverse. Uh, like, what are some what are the projects that you're watching over there again? Yeah, so um, we recently funded um, a project called Lutex, and this is more an infrastructure play where we're looking at um, all right. There's all these games coming out. Um, they're gonna have utilities in the game where you have in-game assets uh, being sold and bought, and there's not a cross-chain sort of like centralized uh, sorry cross-chain marketplace. Uh, between mm-hmm. games, uh, between chains um, for, you know, purchases and buying and selling. So Lutex um, made a lot of sense and fit into our investment thesis on being a, a provider of, you know, a potential really, really large ecosystem. So that made a lot of sense. Yeah, um, and just, uh, that was a loot, right? Uh, Lutex, Lutex. Loot, Lutex, yeah. okay. Lutex, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the name makes sense, right? Because you you have loot in game, and it's like an exchange, Lutex. Um, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're we're kind of also looking at um, some other projects um, that we're pretty bullish on. Um, one of them, actually, I don't know if I can share this, but <laughs> we were talking about um, you guys. Did you guys play the game of Mutant um, versus Ape like a month ago? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so the development team is from Taiwan, uh, and they're called Arcade. Um, they're working on something um, pretty interesting as well, and um, it's, I think we invested in that, or we're we're going to something we're working on at the moment. Arcade. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Arcade. Yeah. Um, more projects to look into for us. <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> yeah it's it's good to yeah. like kind of because for us like because we work so closely like all of our narratives overlap so it's always the same projects um, but yeah. it's not like you just always see the best stuff it's great to you know talk to people and see what they're interested in and um, usually cross communities like we get to learn a lot yeah, yeah, for sure. And the other project that, that I'm personally kind of helping out with at the moment, um, it, actually, I worked with the founder, um, like not in the crypto world, like in, in traditional e-commerce and digital marketing, um, is called Met.Game. And this is a pretty interesting um, GameFi um, project. Um, and the way that he um, came up with the project was pretty interesting. Uh, he's really good at identifying markets that are underserved uh, in the traditional world. So he kind of brought it into the crypto world. And what that meant was he is a big gamer himself. Um, and he looked at the mech uh, sector in, in, in gaming. Basically, all mech games done to this point have been uh, mech versus mech, where you have uh, a player versus player like duels, right? Um, and he found out that uh, a huge population of mech players are also very into uh, tower defense. And there hasn't been a game that combined the two, two together where you have tower defense as a base and you have 
uh, mech as a hero character in tower defense and combating the environment, um, swarms of enemy enemies coming in. Uh, so that's what he did. He combined mech uh, hero and put it into a mech tower defense gameplay um, setting and now spinning up this mech.game um, project. They're doing an NFT collection, I think sometime this month, end of the month. Um, and it will be uh, something that I'm helping out with and you know, help, kind of helping him with his pre-seed, see raising at the moment. Um, it's something I'm pretty bullish on overall. Cool. Um, and then uh, do you know what, like, what the tokenomics is like for that project? Um, is it going to just be like... Um, uh, are we going to see more of like a dual uh, token? Because like, one interesting topic that I wanted to like bring up around GameFi was I think we're seeing a shift away from Axie's model where they only issue one uh, token, uh, you know, for gameplay. And I think we're seeing a shift to more of like a uh, DFK token model where they have multiple uh, inflationary tokens. So like I saw with Fancy Birds, they have um, their token that they're initially going to be inflationary is going to be their current government which is uh, FNC and then later in May they're going to switch on to a different uh, token and I think the reason for this is to kind of just to combat the inflationary measures uh, well it's definitely to combat the inflationary um, token aspect and I was wondering if you had any thoughts on this um, yeah where you think this is going or if this is a good play or yeah, what are like interesting like token designs you've seen for for uh, projects? Because clearly, like everyone's doing dual token model, but right. we all know pretty much there's one utility token that trends to zero, and then now some are doing like VE locking, um, kind of started by Magic, and, and that seems to do well. But yeah, curious of your thoughts. Like, what, what are some bullish tokenomic designs for for play to earn? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I, I I would have to say I personally don't have, haven't delved that deep into a single token model. Um, I know DFK has worked really well, uh, mostly because like they have built enough network and like kind of buy liquidity and initial like DeFi thick liquidity provided on Harmony for, for them to offset any type of, any type of like uh, emission moving forward um i mean obviously the the DeFi kingdom uh, came out first as like um i didn't really call it a game in the beginning right it's just more like a yeah it's um, getting a farm right the farm yeah. bill right it, it's it's it, it, the thing is like when i think about game and the 2d top-down uh you know you like 65 degree angled uh top-down view Usually, you have a playable character, like kind of like, um, Pokemon and Game Boy, where you can move that character around to go to go different buildings and whatnot. But in DeFi Kingdom's case, um, at least in the beginning, I don't know if they're moving just moving to a, a different direction. Uh, is you can essentially use your mouse and just click on different buildings, even though your character has a profile pic on the top right side. You're just kind of using a 
it's more like a pixelated website where you can, you know, uh, interact with a DeFi protocol, right? And it looks like a game. Um, so I think that plays a, a big part of it because they have an, the initial DeFi component to it to build up enough liquidity and buy, um, you know, ab absorbing liquidity for people to sell into later. So I thought that was interesting. Um, on the mech side, uh, they do have a dual token economy. Uh, so mech is the governance token and then the credits token would be the, you know, the equivalent of SLP in, in Axie. Um, the design of it really needs to come down to this, in my opinion, is you need to introduce more burn than earn, uh, at least for your utility token. Um, otherwise, you are getting to the realm of people just grinding, uh, earning, not really spending uh, anything, and that, you know, kind of have the trickle effect on the economy, bringing it down um, overall, like you said, turning down to zero. Um, but I would say on the single token side for, I, I, I know we've talked, um, I've heard a few times from people that I know that it's trending more towards that direction, but I haven't really seen one that has done it well yet, right? Besides DFK. Yeah, I think um, it's it probably should be the direction. It's just, yeah, um, probably because there's just not enough um, burning. And, yeah, because um, it's, it's, it's a pretty uh, simple, still, like, supply and demand type thing. We'll just need high inflation to... to um, even test their product out to see if the game is fun. And, um, right. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I think, I think, um, the, the main problem, at least that I, that I know of, I'm not a huge gamer. Um, but I, I do like playing games, right? I, I played, uh, Pokemon growing up. I played, um, Counter-Strike growing up, um, a bunch of stuff, um, 2K as well. So I, I do like games. Um, I can get lost in it. Um, I actually just, I've been playing this game called um, 2048. Uh, it's a pretty simple game on, on your phone. You literally just like swipe and add up until the squares get up to a certain number. So I love gaming. Um, my main concern is a lot of these blockchain games are just not fun. They're not actual games. Like if there's no money involved, you probably wouldn't pay it, play it. And that's the main issue. And I think, I think the, the main uh, industry shift that need to happen is at least for GameFi is to move towards a you know sustainable model where people will still want to play if there's no money involved um with with that design as a focus i think you'll bring out more actual gamers than filipinos and no offense i'm not trying to you know <laughs> say any countries are you know are not supposed to play you know uh, play to earn but I don't think monetary motive should be the focus on GameFi. I think having a fun game and, you know, quite a bunch of users that would play it, um, their main objective is to level up or to be a part of the community or to play. Like, that's the main focus. And if they can earn assets, they can, you know, sell. If they want to exit the game someday and they want to, earn some of that time spent back in the form of selling their NFTs or assets. Great. Uh, but I don't, I don't really think the focus should be on earning because 
if that's the focus, you're bringing in 90% of your users with the intention of taking value away from the system without others contributing back in. No matter what type of tokenomic design you have, it's not sustainable long-term. Just, it's just not. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm kind of on the other side, to be honest. Um, really? Yeah. Um, Interesting. I think most projects, uh, obviously games need to be fun, right? Fun games are better than non-fun games. But I think really fun games shouldn't have a, shouldn't have a coin. If they want to have a coin and in all their pitch, they only say, oh, our game is very, very fun, very, very fun. And then there's just a random text for their, you know, um, valuation. Um, that just shows they don't really understand Web3 or their perception of Web3 is the kind of SFVC way of Web3. Right, like I, I think that's at its core. Um, obviously, no, I don't think any game has to achieve this, but whatever amount you give out, how little or how big, should net you more contributions back into the game, right? And and that's once you figure that out, it's just a numbers game of how much do you give out, how much you know more game content or fun is created. Um, mm. I think that should be the goal, and I think you know if if you can make a game that just with a bunch of money and you don't need players to contribute anything, then the token is kind of useless. Just raise equity. Um, so right. people going tokens that that way is probably just because it's easier. And for those, yeah, bullish on the games, not really bullish on the tokens. Uh, yeah, so that's kind yeah. of hard. that's interesting. Um, one thing I'm super bullish on lately, uh, I found this project over on Solana. Uh, I, I guess you can call it a game, but it's not really a game. It's really simplistic. It's called Degen Coin Flip. Do you guys know that project? Degen Coin Flip. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I've heard of it. It's really cool. So what the game essentially is, it's double or nothing, your collateral. And you flip a coin, choose heads or tail before it. And if you win, you double your money. If you lose, you, if you lose, you lose your money. That's it. This is like very OG, like ETH gambling. On yeah. gambling. Like, <laughs> like, it's really cool. They have processed 50 million US dollars in volume. Um, wow. And the, the coolest point is they charge is 3.5% fee. Um, and those fees are going towards their NFT holders. They have an NFT collection, I think 555 coins. Uh-huh. That kind of reminds me of that. Go back to the um, NFT holders. Um, right. Yeah. So it's kind of like a casino, essentially. Yeah. Like you're, you're cloning a casino. Um, but if you look at it, like a lot of games are essentially casinos. Uh, have haven't really seen. Yeah, there are casinos. I don't know what the investment fees is on are on casinos, um, but yeah. Um, 
or I lose in my thoughts. I, I think I think games, yeah, back to the point. Like overall, any current like web three, web three is pretty pretty cringy. Like just because it's now available on public chain, like all of these like oh decentralized work, decentralized uh whatever, like it's popping up again. Yeah. But instead of being on Hyperledger, they're now on ETH and like a Polygon because it's uh, cheap enough. It's just, it's super cringe. I don't think any of them will survive like six months. I think some people really but yeah, like games, games are a little bit easier to, to market. And to like upsell, I guess. And when you have like a ecosystem around it, um, some like ecosystems don't really care about the play to earn aspects as much. Just I've heard like I've seen pretty successful projects with um, where I've talked to the team and and their core investors were like, okay, yeah, I understand what you mean. They haven't figured out any like ownership or incentives. Right now, it's pretty much just tokenized stock, but it's good. game looks good, so price go up. Um, but <laughs> I don't know if the, that's uh, my kind of thesis of sustainable long term. Um, but maybe just because I'm too uh, crypto native, it's curse yeah. kind of. <laughs> hey, hey, your, your point of um, uh, of the player, uh, we better kind of extract more value than they put in. So, like, essentially, like net positive. I yeah, think, I think that was that was interesting um, because I think like it becomes like almost like Ponzi at the end, right? Because someone has to net negative for someone to net positive at the end, right? How do you contribute value? And everyone get money out of it um, when you have a large ecosystem. Like, who is going to be on the on the other side of value? Uh, doesn't have to. So okay, so there are consumers of the game, and there are people that are somewhat incentivized, right? So let's say some people are pay to play and some people are paid play to earn right then the play to earn people are incentivized to mostly create content whereas if i'm just a player i pay subscription and the game is because there's so much like community created content it's way more fun than a world of warcraft for example then i would gladly pay like 30 dollars a month right and those then doesn't have to be a casino anymore. Obviously, no game is more fun than World of Warcraft yet, so yeah. it's hard to admission. But I think something like uh, VR Chat is is pretty good uh, example. Like it would not be fun if it weren't for all yeah. the community content. Um, and if you put a token around that, I mean that's that's I think that's pretty clear. Um, that's Interesting. A, yeah. Yeah. So the, the game still has to be fun enough for yeah, it has to be fun to subscribe and actually pay value. 
for sure yeah. into the system, right? Yeah. yeah. So someone has to pay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so I would love to take a shift on the, the topic. Um, I'm it, like, but overall, I'm super bullish on GameFi uh, and, you know, specifically like these assets in game. Um, but also, like, um, I'm pretty bullish on uh, NFTs in general and in a large proportion of these NFT valuations uh, and just the total cap of NFTs, a large portion of it goes into um, PFPs. Um, so that's why a lot of us have, you know, these Etherox, we have uh, apes, moon apes, um, the most recent ones, I guess, are Zuki, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on it. And uh, one of the issues that I see, uh, I think some projects have solved this, uh, is um, the retail, like, I guess, less, um, wealthy individuals, investors um, cannot get involved with projects like board apes because it's, unless you've gotten super early, it's really, really expensive, right? It's anywhere from, I think right now valuation is around 250K um, per board ape at the moment. So not a lot of uh, retail can get really get involved in the valuation, the volatility, uh, which is appreciation in general. That's why you have DAOs that pull money together to purchase apes. You don't really own it, you co-own it, so it's kind of weird. Um, NFTX has done a good job of uh, allowing people to put in a specific NFT and create liquidity for it. So you have these, you know, uh, BAYC um, ERC-20 tokens that could potentially, you know, you can redeem it at some point uh, if you collect enough uh, board apes on the market. Um, so what we've done, we're currently looking into um, pivoting, is taking what we currently have with the Matrix Perp centralized perpetual futures uh, exchange, and we're going to open up um, NFT derivatives. So it will essentially be perpetual futures for Bode Yacht Club, for uh, CryptoPunks, for Azuki, or you know any type of blue chips. Uh, NFT collections. Um, we're based on floor prices, um, but that's something that we're currently working on. That'd be cool. Um, so, how how does that work? Is there like um, so? You said it's perpetuals, right? Is there um, is there a leverage involved? Or um, yeah, so so essentially, you can you can long, you can short um, up to ten x leverage of your collateral on on board apes um, and. We'll be running on Polygon. I think it would be too expensive to run on Ethereum based on the jobs, number of tasks we need to do on our protocols end, and just for you know traders uh, fee wise, wouldn't be make sense to run on Ethereum. But it'll be on Polygon, and yeah, you can essentially long and short um, board apes if you want to. Um, I think it will open up a lot of uh, interests on you know traders wanting to bid on directions a bit. Is there, um, I, I would love that, honestly. Um, I think th- that would be super useful. Uh, my main kind of question would be like, um, uh, are you targeting individual collections? And if so, like, um, how do you take care of the Oracle and, and um, kind of liquidity problem? Because your, your, your volume would very quickly, like, 
overlap, uh, you know, outgrow the OpenSea volume. I and mean, a lot of that is wash anyways. So, um, yeah, I don't know yeah, how definitely. to repeat stable on that. So there, there are a few challenges uh, with pricing NFTs. Um, on OpenSea, uh, I think looks rare was a perfect example where people would watch trading to earn uh, looks. Um, the floor prices of NFTs, uh, at least on these blue chips, um, would stay relatively true. It's relatively harder to manipulate, I would say. Um, perfect example would be like, if you are a, an ape owner and you list your ape under market price by 20%, for example, it's probably gonna get sniped or just bought right away, right? So you kind of lose on that if you want to manipulate the Oracle source uh, to take any actions on long and short on perpetuals. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, what we have um, done is we've partnered up with um, projects like Upshot API. So Upshot is a uh, NFT-focused analytics platform where they use machine learning um, and combined with, um, you know, real-time price, uh, floor price on OpenSea with a machine learning model to kind of calculate what the true floor price would be. Some other projects, uh, other analytics um, company like Henny would do something like, you know, the last five sales that's close to the floor price of the collection and then they will feed you that as a API. And what we, we would do is we would work with a, because Chainlink currently, um, the company itself doesn't offer free Oracle price feed for collections. Uh, so what we need to do is talk to a node operator um, that works with Chainlink directly. So Chainlink at any given time works with, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of uh, node operators that's constantly getting APIs from different uh, sources. Uh, it works different ways. Sometimes they aggregate it before giving it to channeling. Sometimes they, you know, put it together and channeling aggregates and feeds the price feed for open source use. Uh, but in our case, we need to build a custom external adapter from channeling uh, node operator. Um, they would request an APIs a data from Upshot, um, from companies like Hemi to get a specific NFT collection floor price. So in our case, we use it for funding rate calculation, right? Because we're not really using it for liquidations, we're only using it for funding. So if you're loaning, for example, and the, the funding rate is either negative or positive, depending on that, the loan pays it short, the short pays the long. So it's not really high risk, I would say, right? You're, you're really using it for uh, funding rates, um, calculations, hoping that index and per price don't diverge too much. So keeping it relatively close and true to what's happening in the index market. So in terms of Oracle, that's the probably the main bottleneck that we have is trying to figure out which Oracle's, uh, sorry, which data feed on the API side is relatively realistic and true reliable so that when we're calling these uh, jobs with the Chainlink um, node operator, we can get reliable Oracle price feed to our contracts. 
Um, so that's kind of the main challenge at the moment. And uh, we found the viable solution. And now it's all about just kind of getting the work done, testing it out on on maybe Robston or, um, or other uh, networks and see and play out. We'll, we'll do some paper trading and see if it works. In terms of um, volume, um, I, I'm not sure. So I, I took a look at some uh, data, at least on OpenSea side. Uh, I took a look at, um, I don't know if you guys heard of Dejan Data, the IO. Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so I can look at Border Yacht Club, you know, from January until like the first of January, so start of the year until now, we have 1,246 distinct um, you know, sellers and buyers. It's not a whole lot, right? Because Border Yacht Club has, is what around like 2.5 billion in terms of valuation total. And if you, if you look at the, uh, the holders, there's not a whole lot of them, right? And and if you look at people actually trading it, it's a very, very small amount. Um, and compared to projects like Aave, which is at, probably at a 2 billion market cap, their token holders is up or towards 107K of token holders on with Aave token. So I'm just kind of looking at like, all right, how much money can be poured in into a 2.5 billion valuation type of project asset, if we can open up um, more ways to, you know, be exposed to it. Um, and I think a lot of retailers are just looking for exposure, right? Well, traders are looking for exposure. Um, I think we can make a lot of uh, noise in the market and can bring a lot of uh, interest and traction and potential volume to it. I don't know how much it's going to take away from OpenSea directly, uh, an index, something that's kind of yet to be seen. I don't think anyone's done this yet. So we'll have to be the first one and see how it goes. Awesome. It's uh, very good. Um, Luke, do we want to go, go over some of the... Uh, yeah, I was just about to say the same. Um, yeah, so like, I'm not sure if you... Uh, saw too much of this bacon, but I've, I'm I'm a little bit out of uh, touch a little bit. Is the solidity narrative um, that kind of sprouted up over the last couple of days? Sorry, you mean the uh, solidly uh, with uh, Phantom? Yeah, solidly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, can anybody uh, like explain it to me, like I'm a five year old, what it does? Because I haven't actually looked into it yet. I read open. I need to read through it still. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the, but I, I, I've checked out the price. I mean, um, like 1.4 billion or something. It's pretty, there's a lot of locking going on, uh, bull locking with, um, um, kind of gauge wars. And there's like, VE DAO, there's um, Xerox DAO, uh, Solidex. So all of those guys are kind of like the convex kind of scenarios on top of Curve, where Curve is the solid in this case. So I think um, it's probably going to, token-wise, like have similar trajectory as Curve. It's like pretty 
pretty good yield, um, pretty stable, and like slowly trend up if uh, yield continues to be good and um, the gauge community become popular. Um, but the core product, I, I, I haven't studied. Um, I, I need to look into it more as well. But I can I can link you a thread in, in the internet. I think that's one. Yeah, I'd love to link into that. Sounds interesting. Um, but I think the main thing that I was intrigued by was the VE, the idea of VE. So um, how it was explained was you could lock up your tokens for, um, it's essentially a gamified locking of your token, and that will give you incentives in terms of uh, more governance uh, votes. Wait. Yeah, very similar. Right? It's basically all based on curve model. So you can have a curve and um, the more delegated, uh, once you have a curve, right, what, what happens is um, the longer you lock your, your curve, the more voting power you have. And that voting mm -hmm. power could do um, higher curve emission, as well as you get to um, like pretty much decide which protocols can exist on curve and have the rewards. So there's a mm. gate, like wireless process. So it becomes um, a war essentially. Yeah, it's a war. It's not just yeah. a reward. Um, and because of this war and because curve is so dominant in stable coin, um, LP, uh, people have, you know, put together their, their ecosystems, tried to, uh, tackle this war from a project perspective. Um, but yeah, that, that model is cool because it's, uh, um, I think it works well for Curve because they're so dominant. Um, for other players, like not so much. It's, it's cool to introduce like longer locking for more rewards, but that's just lock staking, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's a cool model, but underlying, you still need to have um, a very good protocol. Um, oh, yeah, very sure. Uh, yeah. Do you do you know how? Uh, do you know much about platypus uh, bacon? I know it was kind of like a big narrative. Platypus is like kind a of month or two ago. Um, like some innovations on top of Curve, but very similar protocol on AVAX. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, a fully diluted uh, platypus is like 2 billion compared to uh, Solidly's uh, 800, yeah, 800 million. So, um, yeah, I think it there might be an interesting play there. I think ultimately AVAX is a little bit better than uh, Phantom. So, uh, yeah, I was just seeing if you knew much about it. Mm, I personally, I would bet on Curve on overall these guys. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, because in that sense, I don't know if Solid is even that close to a stable stablecoin project, like stablecoin uh, exchange. But I know Platypus is, is pretty similar. I'm 
Yeah, I think so. The thing happening on AVAX is is um, all the big backers are big AVAX holders, and they just want to see AVAX succeed, and they back technology built on AVAX, and that that's cool. But I, I don't think anything really breakout is happening on top of AVAX. Um, they're very top tier projects. They're, they're all very well done, but I don't think it's it's like something that doesn't exist on ETH or BSC yet. So that's kind of how I feel. Uh, Solidly is just a DEX? Uh, I, I think we're all... I, I'm personally, I, I don't want to judge it before we'll dive. So... Okay. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was some... I thought it was a stablecoin swap. <laughs> um, anyways... Uh, Thor chains. I'm sorry. What was that? Any other narratives you, you've been looking at? Like you think popular? Yeah, the sh- Thor chain shows are coming back out. Um, I kind of thought that was something funny. Um, I remember probably like a year ago, uh, Thor chain was getting shilled a lot. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely seeing a lot of that same shilling coming back. I don't know if they fixed their bridge issue. Oh, I mean, they, they had to have, right? So, yeah, had to have the functional, right? Is there yeah. any updates for Thor Chain? Um, I, you know, I've, I've left all their communities now. I have to, uh, double check, but I, I'm seeing just a, I'm seeing that narrative come back and i'm seeing people push rune more and more um yeah i haven't done too much on seeing if there's any updates they they've lost a lot of their dApps that were going to get built on their layer though um a lot of them moved on to like uh luna and other uh, chains so I'm kind of interested in seeing what they're going to do now. Um, yeah, and see if they can resurrect it all. I thought they had a pretty good product, but I feel like there's a lot of other people that are kind of caught up to them. Yeah, the chains, like cross chains, uh, sorry, bridge space is, is just okay. Um, yeah. And we're going to talk like- about the backstop. From Jump Capital, how insane that was! Oh yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. But I mean, Jump is is well, like eleven figures. Oh so yeah, I heard um I heard on their podcast that they so they were at a retreat in Miami or something, and then when that happened, all the decision makers kind of made the this like, okay, are we gonna compensate this or not? Decision within five minutes. Um, so that's. That's something. Imagine that conversation. Oh, should we uh, cover this 400 mil? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. That is insane. Yeah. Tell the team. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, but it just goes to show, like, it, like if, if I look back right now and think of the exploits happened in the last 12 months or so, the notable ones are you know, um, mostly bridges. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. 
Um, do you think there's just not enough node operators they are securing bridges where they're not incentivized well enough to secure them? Or the network is not large enough because the incentives aren't there? If you think about it, like, I think Ethereum, it's a you, there's too many kind of um, cross assumptions, like, that, um, yeah, like bridges, there some parts are still pretty centralized, and right so far, like, the most secure ones are the most centralized, uh, so. Like the Binance official bridge, like any like chains official bridge, pretty much haven't been hacked. Um, any external project that's trying to bridge everything is probably making like cross assumptions a little bit too naive to kind of build a project around it. Um, then yeah, it doesn't seem to work too well. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, super interesting. Um, you just keep the narratives going. Uh, Luna's back near all-time high. Uh, it pumped. It was up like twenty-five percent yesterday when with Bitcoin going up. What was it like twelve? Um, and I think that they have. I don't know if this is actual liquidity moving over to their layer. Or if this is just uh, because the token price pumped, but they have quite a bit of liquidity move over uh, as well in the, over the last seven days. Yeah, so Luna was, um, did you hear of the $1 billion race? Yeah, I guess I just didn't know of the what it really meant in yeah, the long so run. I think it was uh, for UST, right? It was before... Um, like Luna that's back in UST and then mm -hmm. now um, a bunch of funds and institutions came together bought like OTC $1 billion of Luna and they put in um, a lot of Bitcoin and other assets to back UST um, trying to find a full thread but it was, uh, it was pretty big it was um, so now like UST that whole narrative of Oh, it's going to collapse because it's uh, backed by Luna. It's pretty uh, way weaker. Um, and all the people that put, for example, their Bitcoin for Luna got it at like $50 per Luna, um, $1 billion worth, and they're vested for four years. So it's pretty, pretty massive. Like they are, they have conviction. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so that's that's good. People will be like Luna. I think everyone that's been in Solana, like all the funds, uh, they also like Luna a lot. Um, pretty much only for this stable coin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Uh... Yeah. It will be bigger than USDT or something like that. That could, could happen. It will be a good future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as like other strong narratives, uh, I don't really have 
too much. Uh, but I... The funny thing with um, Ukraine, with uh, you know uh-huh. how crypto um, uh, donations, and then yeah. they hint at an airdrop. Yes. Yeah. What do you, I, don't, I don't know if you follow that. That was that was pretty crazy. Um, I. Yeah, I mean, what's uh, what's people at right now? <laughs> like, I Which, think it's yeah, people, it's almost similar in a way. Um, like, I mean, what utility could they bring to a token? Um, uh, I mean, I I know they are like a they are a country, so they can bring a lot of utility to a token, but um. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'll I'll donate a little bit, but yeah, I I don't know if I'm gonna be making my money back from from the airdrop <laughs> if there is gonna be one. Um, yeah, have you donated? Have you donated a I, couple I, cubby cats? I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Um. <laughs> You're gonna do like what Gavin Wood did. As soon as you start accepting tubby cats, I'll donate. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, one one thing that I wanted to look up a lot that I've seen a lot this morning, but I just didn't have enough time to look into it. Was um, I've seen quite a few people talk about. Uh, EVM most like derivative projects and that they're already starting to bank on them uh, any thoughts on this projects I derivatives might be the wrong term but these EVM, uh, EVM most yeah. um, projects that are have some affiliation with EVM most uh, and that they're likely going to pump when EVM most goes live Again, I I only saw this a couple times this morning, and then I only had like thirty minutes to prep for this call, so I couldn't do too much due diligence there. Yeah, so how I see EVMOS is um, they were their project is like very OG ever since um, Cosmos became a thing. Like Ethermint was a thing um, because they really wanted to. Like when Tendermint came out, they, they wanted to say, okay, we're not trying to beat Ethereum. We think it's to be interoperable and we're going to tackle taking EVM on Tendermint consensus since very early. So that team is really good. And that's way before any of this like Moonbeam and um, Neon and all these guys came up with EVM. So I'm sure it'll be a very smooth experience. Like this is like way before Matic even. Um, but at, at its core, it's still just a EVM on another chain, right? Um, Cosmos is big and there's a lot of stuff that can be ported over, but, you know, like, is this going to be bigger than Moonbeam? Yeah, it's possible, but I mean... At this point, I don't know how to treat it. It's it's an EVM L1, um, gonna be smooth, a lot of capital, but I don't know, like uh, what the hype around it really is aside from that. 
A lot of the Adam hype has died down a lot too, right? At least from what I've seen. Like, I, I think the Atom hype is real, right? If you want to bet on Atom ecosystem, bet on Atom. Don't bet on EVMOS. I, I don't think... Like, if this thing launches at a billion, I, I don't think it has higher potential than Atom. And it probably will be a billion. Yeah, I guess what I was trying to highlight is, like, I guess there's projects live right now uh, that you could be jumping in on uh, that are going to be live on EVMOS. But, okay, yeah, I, I do see what yeah. I do see what you're saying overall. By uh, if you're if you're gonna bet on Adam, it's just best to bet on yeah. Uh, Adam not, oh, Adam or Wow Cool L1 is like the same play as usual. It, okay, what's the first X? How do we farm this? What's the first you know aggregator stable swap, etc. Can we get it cheap? Like. I could. That's pretty much it. That would blow over pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, so I like this, um, to be honest. We play like 10 EVMs at this point. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty done with them. Um, yeah, I think that's it for me uh, as far as like interesting narratives go. Um, um, yeah, we're five past two. Uh, I just want to. Have you heard of ceramic? Are you asking ceramic? me? Yeah. No, I have not. Okay, that's. I think that would be a pretty, very new, uh, different project. I think it's cool. Ceramic finance or what is ceramic. it? Network. Network. Yeah. Um, yeah, look into it. See, see what you think. I, I don't think... I, I've heard of it first last year. Um, I started to see some pretty big funds and projects built on it. It's completely what different. It it's... Um, it, do you know um, 3Box? Like the... Uh, no. So, three box was the original like DID provider for ETH. You know how you know, the, like the little block, like icon for your MetaMask, like for your for mm -hmm. your address. So those were kind of generated by those guys, and then um, there was a identity standard to link your socials to ETH uh, to like a ETH address. But then um, over past like couple years they've pivoted to a whole network which is storing social data for um, web3 accounts um, and now they have this their own consensus network um, and by design it's not supposed to run like smart contracts just storing like social interactions who likes who who has like how many credit points, et cetera, and then um, sitting on top of IPFS. Um, and it's this design is infinitely shardable because it's um, account-based instead of uh, like block-based. Um, very cool. Um, 